Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live Your Dream. And today, we're going to take a little bit of a departure from what we've covered in the past. In the past, we've covered the concepts of how you take your desires, the things you really want, the things you feel that will give you happiness, and then convert them into reality, into the things that actually exist in real life. Um, and today, though, we're going to take a look at or go a lot deeper into the things um, that prevent you from doing that. Um, because it would be easy or it would be great if things were easy, and then if you just followed steps and things would happen. And actually, if you do, you know, things do materialize. However, some people find it difficult. And today, we're going to get into the details of why um, before you can put the philosophies that we've been talking about uh, into practice, what is it that you need to be aware of or what is it that could be stopping you if um, you're actually finding out that's not really happening. Um, in the past, we've talked about the success cycle. You know, it's a six-step process that you know, if you follow those steps, um, it helps you create or materialize or manifest, whatever you want to call it, uh, call it, your desires into the real world. Within that, we also talked about a failure cycle. That if uh, you try, what will cause you to not succeed? Um, one of the things we talked about was that people jump right into action. And then what happens is if you want something, you start, you know, because that's what we've been told, you must do something. Um, and they jump into action, then they do some things for a while, but things don't work out perfectly, you know, the first, second, or third time they try, and the, um, then they just give up, they quit. You know, this is very common with New Year resolutions. Um, you know, the common thing is everybody says, I'm going to lose weight. That's one of the most common ones. And then January and February, the gyms are super busy, but come March 1st, you know, there's crickets, or there's only like a third of the people or a quarter of the people. The question is why, right? What happens here? Because the truth is that before you can put any of the philosophies, like I was saying, that we've uh, been talking about into use, you have to prepare your mind for success. And in order to prepare your mind for success, you have to study the enemies of success. And the enemy, the, the biggest enemy of success is fear. It's fear of what will happen if you don't succeed. Because basically, you know, we have, um, you know, people have several fears. But when it comes, down, comes to success, there are six basic fears that people have. And these six basic fears are very well outlined in a book called Think and Grow Rich. It's a very popular book. Most people have read it. But it's also a very dense book. There's like a lot of stuff going on in there. So what I'm going to do today is, is unpack a little bit of these six fears because one, two, or three, or all of these are really what stop people from getting what they want in life. And most of the time, people are not even, not even aware that that's what's going on. And, you know, sometimes these fears sort of blend together. You know, and that's why these are so dangerous because they can operate without their presence even being observed. They can stay hidden in the subconscious mind where they can be difficult to locate, let alone eliminate. And so these, these are six basic fears. 
every human being suffers from some combination of these, at least, you know, at one time or the other. So if you have some of these, it doesn't make you like a horrible person, right? It just means you're human, but it also means that you really need to be aware of what these are and then do your best to eliminate them or at least become aware of them and eliminate as many of these as possible. So you're giving yourself the best shot possible of uh, actually going out and achieving your desires. Um, and then, you know, most people are fortunate if they don't suffer from all six of them. So if, if you're suffering from less than six, that's, that makes you a really special person. Okay, so let's get into what these six fears are. And I'll go in order of their most co common appearance in people, right? So the first one is the fear of poverty. That's it, the fear of poverty, okay? Uh, the second one is the fear of criticism, of what other people will think, especially if they will think poorly of you. Uh, the third is the fear of ill health. The, the fourth is the fear of loss of love of someone. The fifth one is the fear of old age. And finally, the sixth one is the fear of death. All the fears that you have can be grouped into one or two of these headings, right? The important thing to understand is that fears are nothing more than states of mind. Because fears don't exist out in the real world. They simply exist in our mind. And the proof of that is two people sitting next to each other could have completely different fears in the exact same situation. Have you ever seen that, right? They could have completely different thoughts about the exact same thing. One person could actually be happy about something. The other person could be frightened of it. So that's the point. The fears are nothing more than states of mind. And the important thing to understand is that since these are states of mind, they're actually subject to control and direction. Control and direction by the individual that possesses those fears. Okay? Because the truth is that we cannot create anything that is not first perceived as a thought. Okay, so let's take like the positive side of it. Let's say you want to make a chair. Okay? Just some example. You cannot make a chair before you have a thought about that chair. Make sense? I mean, you just can't, a chair, if you want to make a chair, you have to first think about it, you have to have a thought, you have to visualize it, you have to have an idea of what that would look like, how it will be made, et cetera, et cetera, and then you can make a chair, okay? Same, the same way, the negative things that are happening to you in your life, you know, those cannot be created by you before you actually have, have a thought about it in your, in your mind. And the, the truth is that thought impulses, you know, these are essentially impulses, like energy. Right? Thoughts are energy. Thought impulses begin immediately to translate themselves into their physical equivalent. Whether those thoughts are voluntary or involuntary, it doesn't matter. Okay? So let me say that again, just, just so I make it clear, that the things that happen to in our life, right, most of those things, almost I would say all of them, are created by us. And the, the most creative process that we have in our, is our thoughts. And these thoughts immediately begin, begin to translate themselves into their physical equivalent, right? Reality of our life, whether those thoughts are voluntary or not. And this concept sort of helps us lay a foundation of why some people appear to be lucky, while others of either equal or even greater ability 
seem destined to constant misfortune. Somebody might be extremely, they may actually be born in great circumstances, you know, born with a silver spoon in their mouth, like the phrase goes. Yet, they will constantly create misery and ruin around them. Right? Other people are born in dire circumstances, yet go on to become you know, some of the most successful people in their, in their uh, spheres. And so where does that come from? The starting point of all of that is, is like we're talking about here, thoughts, how they think especially thoughts um, that are persistent, right? that, that stay with you on a constant basis. Because with this control, people can open their minds to thoughts that are either helpful or hurtful. Okay? It doesn't matter. The thing is, the way the brain, the mind works is that the thoughts that are let in or the thoughts that are sort of uh, acknowledged are the thoughts that are in more agreement with the thoughts that already exist. So a person that has a lot of positive thoughts is, is going to tend to be more agreeable with more with people or with circumstances that agree with positive thoughts and people who are negative in their thinking, you know, or depressed they're more in agreement with people who are depressed or with the neg negativity of a situation. And so the, the key to understand, so I guess the point I'm making is that this is a re self-reinforcing cycle. So if you have a tendency to think positive, you will, like they say, attract or be more in agreement with more positive thoughts. And so it's like an upward spiral. And people who are depressed or they expect the worst, or they have more negative thinking, they you know, agree with more of these things. And then those agreements reinforce their current thinking. So it's like a negative spiral. Okay? But the truth is that nature has endowed us with absolute control over one thing, and that is our thought. Okay? However, we have to be willing to exercise that control. The thing is that most people don't exercise this control because they don't even realize that they actually have this control. Okay? Uh, because this fact, coupled with the fact that anything that a person creates begins with a thought, leads to the principles by which fear can be mastered. Okay? It is true that all thought has a tendency to clothe itself in its physical equivalent. And this is especially true for thought impulses of fear, okay? Because um, poverty cannot occur unless your mind is in agreement with that. Okay? So let's get into that a little bit. So we've been talking about the six uh, you know, basic fears that people have. And so I listed out the six basic fears. So let's take these one at a time. So and go into a little more detail about these. So the first one I'm going to spend the most time on because this is probably the most prevalent out there, right? This is the fear of poverty or the fear of lack or the lack of faith in abundance, you know, which however you want to uh, call it. Because if you look at life, right, there, there really is no compromise between poverty and riches. These are sort of two roads that travel in opposite direction. There's really nothing in common with them. 
So if you want riches, you know, and this word I use loosely, right? I talk about abundance and riches could be multiple. It could be financial, you know, which is the obvious one. It could also be in relationships. It could also be in happiness. It could be in skills, whatever it is, okay? So if you want riches in any space, you must first refuse to accept any circumstance that leads towards poverty in that space and using the word riches in the widest sense, okay? Now, the starting point of all riches is desire. We've talked about this in the past programs, okay? And we've talked about uh, in detail about how to properly use desire so you can actually get the outcomes that you want. Um, so we're not going to get into all of that. However, we're going to get into the fears that we have that prevent us from getting there. Because the thing is, if you want riches, you must determine how much you want, and then you must persist until you get them. However, in order to do that, this requires an acceptance of a certain state of mind. Okay? And here's the key about the state of mind. A state of mind is not something that you can purchase. It is not something you can acquire from somewhere else. It is something that you assume. It is something that must be created, and it must be created by you. Okay? So fear of poverty is also a state of mind, nothing else. But it is sufficient to destroy any achievement or undertaking that you're after. Because this fear paralyzes the ability to reason. It destroys the, um, the faculty of imagination, right? We were talking about earlier that in order to create something in your life, right, you have to first think of it. You have to imagine it, like we talked about the chair. However, if you have the fear of poverty, one of the things, first things it does is it destroys creativity. It, uh, it does not allow you to reason. Then it kills off self-reliance. It kills off the, the confidence that you can make things happen for yourself. Okay? You're all, you always feel like you need to rely on somebody else. You always have that anxiety. Okay? Then what it does is it undermines enthusiasm. If you're going after riches, but you have a fear of poverty, how enthusiastic are you going to be about achieving riches? The truth is not very much. You might be doing everything. You might be taking all the steps and making all the motions to do it. But where's your enthusiasm level? Because really what you're operating from is a fear of poverty. Okay? The other thing it does is it discourages initiative. Someone who's afraid that they're just going to lose all their money or you know, they're destined for poverty really is not going to have a lot of initiative. They're going to be very tentative. They're going to be very afraid to take risks. And it also creates an uncertainty of purpose because you're not really sure whether you should be pursuing riches or not because you're constantly afraid you're going to lose all your money and actually end up in poverty. Therefore, what it does is it encourages procrastination. Well, why should I do it today if I can push off this thing that is going to cause me poverty to another day, even though you know that you really need to do that in order to get you make your circumstances better. And then with this type of a mindset, there is one thing that becomes almost impossible, which is what? Self-control. Because right? you're always responding. You're always reacting. You're always reacting to a state of mind that was created by who? Yourself. No one else. 
Okay. So as we take a look at these, I mean, it also destroys somebody's personality because it takes the charm out of uh, someone's personality. It destroys the possibility of accurate thinking because if you're always concerned about losing your money, you're never actually going to go uh, play to win. You're always going to be playing not to lose. And that's almost like driving a car with a handbrake on. And also uh, diverts your concentration of effort. Because if you're always trying to not lose, how much effort are you going to put into winning? Not that much. Okay? Therefore, you can't be persistent. It destroys your ambition. It clouds your memory. And it basically invites failure at, at every conceivable form. Okay? So it's a very, very um, destructive fear. All right. So um, it's time for a break, but when I come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of this and how this affects many of the pursuits that uh, people are after in their life. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for us at keyword voice America. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Hi, everyone. This is Karen Dillon. Welcome back to Live the Dream. So today we're talking about uh, fears. You know, uh, past episodes have been much more upbeat and on the positive side, uh, but there is a flip side to that as well that needs to be acknowledged and addressed. And then although it may not be the most fun and enjoyable concept listening to it, but ignoring this side um, creates more failures than really necessary. Um, Because the truth is that if you ask the majority of people what they fear, you know, what what will their reply be? Their basic reply will be, you know, nothing. I don't fear anything. However, that's not really true because few people realize 
how whipped they are, you know, how bound they are spiritually or physically with, uh, through some form of fear. And so subtle and deep-seated is this emotion that you can go through your whole life burdened with it, but never recognize its presence. Okay? Because the thing is, um, self-analysis may disclose weaknesses that one does not like to acknowledge. Okay? But this form of self-analysis is essential for those who demand more than mediocrity from life. Okay? So if that, is, if that is you, you know, you're tired of a mediocre life, then you have to face the facts squarely and ask yourself some direct questions and demand some direct replies from yourself. Because one of the first things to understand or ask yourself is, do I really have uh, this fear of poverty or not? Okay? We all have some fear of losing money, but do you really have this deep-seated fear of poverty? Okay? So I'm going to go through some symptoms that you should ask yourself if you have these. And if you have some or all of these, then yeah, you definitely have this fear of poverty, okay? So here are some of the symptoms of the fear of poverty. The first thing is indifference, which is commonly expressed through lack of ambition. And what, what that actually means is, is simply the willingness to tolerate either poverty or mediocre results or whatever compensation life is giving to you, you know, without much protest, either mental or physical, you know, essentially having lack of uh, initiative, or lack of imagination of how you can get yourself out of this situation, or enthusiasm of self or self-control like we've talked about. Okay, so that's one of the most prominent um, symptoms of the fear of poverty: is simply indifference to your own negative circumstances. And by indifference, I don't mean um, the lack of complaining. Lack of complaining is, or complaining is frequently a substitute for action. Because people think, oh, at least I'm complaining about it. However, the complaining doesn't count for much because it simply is uh, replacing actually taking action. You know, it's a form of indifference in a sense. Okay. The second thing, uh, second symptom of the fear of poverty is indecision. Essentially not making, not deciding for yourself or making a firm decision that you're going to change your circumstances. It's the habit of permitting others to do one's thinking, you know, constantly staying on the fence. Oh, one day, one day I'm going to do this, or one day things will get better. Okay. So that's basically indecision, right? allowing yourself to stay in that state. The third thing is doubt, which is generally expressed through excuses, which are designed to explain away one's failures. Right? Or it's also expressed through envy of those that are more successful um, by criticizing them. I mean, you see a lot of that on TV right now. It's quite gross. Um, but there, this basically stems from doubt that you as an individual can actually do anything about your circumstances. Therefore, all you can do is be envious of others who've actually achieved something. And then you call them names to make yourself feel better. It's not very helpful. Okay. And then you know, there's another version of this, which is called worry. And worry is something similar to doubt, but it's, it's, it's a constant state of doubt, right? Which is you're just constantly worried about things going wrong. And people who are constantly worried are obsessed in a sense by finding fault in others. Somehow that helps them alleviate their worry. It doesn't change anything, but that's, that's so if you have somebody who constantly is finding fault with others, you know that that person exists in a state of worry. And you can also see uh, a fear of poverty by an individual's personal appearance. Okay? If they neglect their personal appearance, if they're always scowling or frowning, right, they live in a state 
of fear of poverty. I mean, obviously, the most obvious example are homeless people, right? They didn't become homeless because they have very great thoughts about the future. They are the representation of people who live in the fear of poverty because they create it in their own life, okay? Um, some people try to, you know, fear of poverty is not a positive, obviously. It doesn't feel good. Um, so then some people try to handle it through abusing substances, right? Um, through abusing either alcohol or drugs or narcotics or whatever it is. Um, the next thing you will see that people who have this fear have a huge sense of nervousness. They're, all, they're like very nervous. They lack poise. Um, they're extremely self-conscious. Um, and they lack self-reliance because they don't feel that they have what it takes to change their own circumstances. Okay? This causes the next thing, which is over-caution. Um, that's the habit of looking at the negative side of every circumstance, thinking and talking of uh, um, possible failures instead of concentrating on the means of succeeding. Right? Um, they know every road to disaster, but they never search for concrete plans to avoid failure. Right? So that's really people who just constantly are overcautious and they're trying to avoid and instead, they create the very things that they're trying to avoid. And another example of these, this is um, people who are waiting for the perfect time to put their ideas and plans into action. Okay? And the problem is, these people are in a constant state of waiting. So the waiting essentially becomes a habit. Okay? And then what happens is, the next step to this is that you remember all those who have failed and then you forget all those who have succeeded. Okay. So that's what I was talking about earlier, is that you use, your mind starts to become in agreement um, with certain types of thoughts. And obviously with something like this, the obvious outcome is going to be procrastination, which is the habit of putting off until tomorrow things that you could have done last year, basically. Right? Um, because of People who procrastinate, they spend a lot of time creating alibis and excuses. And they spend enough time on these that they could have actually done what they needed to do in that time. Okay? And this symptom is closely related to overcaution, doubt, and worry. Basically, refusing to accept responsibility you know, whenever it can be avoided. So your circumstances actually never change. Then finally, all of this leads to the willingness to compromise with difficulties instead of using them as stepping stones for advancement. It's, in a sense, it's like bargaining for life, uh, bargaining with life for a penny instead of demanding prosperity. That makes sense? You know, bargaining for a penny when you can actually have opulence or happiness and being willing to compromise. Because planning what to do when you're overtaken by failure, when you're overtaken by failure, there, you have two options. You, know, you can either proceed forward, plan what to do and make things happen, right? or you can always try to make these, have tentative steps and always have like a plan B if you fail. Right? Because if you want, if for people, if you want to succeed, especially succeed at something you've never done before or something that's actually difficult, the way to do that is to, you have to go forward, burn your bridges and make retreat impossible. Does that make sense? 
Because when you have no way but forward, you're going to figure out a way. However, people who, are, who live in this fear of poverty, they live in this sense of weakness and a lack of self-confidence. They lack definite of pur- definite of, uh, definiteness of purpose. Right? They lack initiative, enthusiasm, the things that we've talked about. And because they're constantly expecting poverty instead of demanding riches. Further, these people associate with others who accept poverty instead of associating with the company of people who are either striving for or who already achieved riches. Okay? So when you have this going on, as you can see, this is a very, very debilitating state of mind. And that's exactly the, and that's, that's the sad truth of this. It's simply a state of what? Mind. Something that if you exercise full control over, you could change tomorrow, not even tomorrow, this instance. Okay? So fear of poverty, that is one of the most debilitating states of mind there is. Okay? The next one, so move on to the next one, which is the fear of criticism. Most people are in the very least uncomfortable when criticized. Right? Um, in some cases, they could get dis- depressed or despondent when you know, people talk negatively about them. The fear of criticism robs people of their initiative. It destroys, you know, like the power of imagination, destroys their uh, individuality, and you know, does damage in like hundreds of other ways. Now, criticism is like a, is one form of service that there is way too much of out there, right? In fact, in some sense, it should almost be recognized as a crime. It's the crime of the worst nature because criticism builds inferiority complexes in the mind of its intended victim. It doesn't really, it doesn't really do any good. You know, people talk about constructive criticism. I think this is just an oxymoron. There is no such thing. Because people who understand how to achieve the best from others, like the best type of leaders, they understand that you get the best from people not by criticism, but by constructive suggestion, by encouragement, by focusing on the few things that a person does well and expanding that versus worrying about what they do poorly and constantly trying to point out what they're doing poorly. And this is very true of parents, by the way. This is one of the areas parents can really, really, really use a lot of instruction. Okay? Because criticism, all it does is plants fear or resentment in the heart, and it does not promote um, confidence or initiative. Okay? So that's what the fear of criticism does. Now, the fear of loss of, of love of someone. Of all the fears... This is one, this one is probably the most painful and it plays the most havoc with a person's body and mind above all other fears. Because, you know, one of the most distinguishing features of this fear is jealousy, essentially being suspicious of the people that you love without any reasonable evidence. And what this leads to is accusing your partner of infidelity or, you know, whatever it is without really, without grounds. Um, so a person like this, they're generally suspicious of everyone. They really have faith in nobody and they are constantly finding faults with friends and relatives and business associates and pretty much in general, you know, everybody around them in general, uh, really without any provocation. And so people like this are very, very difficult to be around because what (laughs) what they're doing really doesn't make any sense. Because they're not operating from what exists in reality. They're simply operating from a state that they have created in their own mind. 
So it's it's very difficult for people to be around someone like this. Okay. Um, the other fear, the next fear, is the fear of old age. Now, obviously, the possibility of ill health is a major cause of this fear because nobody cherishes the thought of being um, being unhealthy. And then some people show a tendency to develop almost like an inferiority complex as they get older, uh, falsely believing that they're slipping or they're inferior in some ways because they're old. But the truth is that some of the most useful years, mentally and spiritually, are the years that come later in life. You know, many people, I would say most people are most productive in their later years, right? The 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, are the years of the greatest achievement for the, the vast majority of people. Okay? We always hear in the news a 22-year-old billionaire, et cetera, et cetera, but there's not that many of them. Most people, you may, you may not become a billionaire, but you'll have the most productive and useful years in your later years. Um, so next is essentially, um, I put this, it's the fear of worry. Some people are just afraid of worrying. The thing is, worry is a state of mind based on fear. You know, it, it works slowly but persistently. It's insidious. You know, by step by step, it digs itself in and paralyzes one's ability to reason and it destroys self-confidence. Worry is <clears throat> essentially, it's like a um, state of sustained fear. And that state is caused by indecision. Therefore, it is a state of mind which can actually be controlled, right? Because an unsettled mind is helpless, and indecision is what makes an unsettled mind. But for whatever reason, most people lack the willpower to reach decisions promptly and to stand by them once they've been made, you know, even during normal business conditions, forget, uh, forget dire circumstances like recessions, right? Because the thing is, during periods of economic unrest that happens during a rec uh, recession, um, people are handicapped not only by their inherent, inherent tendency um, to be slow at making decisions, but also by they just look at others who are slow at making decisions. So there's this mass state of indecision. Okay? And therefore, these six basic fears that people have, they get translated into a state of worry, into a state of worry through indecision. Okay, because this brings us to the flip side of this, which is like, how do you defeat these fears? Okay, now it is very, very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. Fear is defeated by decision. Okay, fear is defeated by decision. So at the other side of the break, we're, gonna, we're going to get into a lot more detail about how you defeat these fears. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Get ready for High Vibin' It with host Lindsay Robinson and Kelsey Aida. This is an all-new look at self-empowerment and lifestyle design. If you are still trying to figure out the law of attraction, spirituality, self-love, and more, we'll break it down for you. You can create the life of your dreams and own your power. Listen for High Vibin' It. We're live every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This will be one hour you will make time for. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Welcome back, everyone. This is Karan Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. So in uh, this episode, we've been covering um, the negative aspects of going after what you want in life, like your desires, which is the things that stop you from getting there, you know, which are the six basic fears that we outlined and how they stop you, right? The key underlying common factor across all these fears is that they are states of mind. They're simply states of mind. And the thing that distinguishes us people from, you know, basically animals and everything else out there is that unlike animals, we have the ability to control our state of mind, to control our thoughts. Now, it's not something that we're very familiar with. It's not something most people have a lot of practice in, but that is true. We can decide what to think. Okay, and so the, the before the break, I was talking about that most of us have some version of the fears that we just went through, and the way you conquer fear, which is a state of mind, is by making a decision. Right, decisions are what conquers fears. Now, what kind of decisions? Right, a decision to do what? Obviously, the most obvious thing is it is a decision to not compromise and accept your current state, okay? That, has, that decision has to be firm, that come what may, I will achieve what I want, and I will not tolerate or allow to persist my current state, if you don't like your current state, that is, right? After that decision, what has to happen for you to actually persist through and get to the other side? You have to develop the next state of mind, okay? And that also requires a decision. And the next state of mind is a state of faith or belief. A state of faith, and there's not religious faith I'm talking about, okay? This is a state of faith or belief 
that you will create the circumstances that you intend. This is actually very difficult for people because the obvious question comes around is, what do you mean faith or belief? My circumstances are so dire, you don't understand. How am I, how am I expected to think or believe that what I want in life is actually going to happen? You know, if I want riches, financial riches, if I want great relationships, or if I want, you know, the type of life that I'm always visualizing or I see people have that I desire. I don't have any of that. How should I have faith that that's going to happen? You know, because the philosophy or principle, I guess you can call it, that most people operate from is like, well, you know what? I'll, once I see it, I'll believe it. Okay, that's, that's how most people live, go through life. Yeah, if I see it, I'll believe it. Well, the, the, the truth, though, is it the exact opposite, which is that if you believe it, you will see it. Is that making sense? That if you believe it, only then do you even have a shot of actually seeing it in your life. Okay? Because most people, even though they understand this conceptually, that they might agree that, yeah, I understand that. Look, I should have faith. Because if I do have faith, then I will have the persistence, the self-confidence, um, the strength the, to pursue my desires come what may. But they don't, right? They don't have faith. And the reason they don't have faith is because they're constantly reacting to their circumstances. They're constantly, they're, uh, they're in some sense, they're like, um, you know, a cork, I guess, bobbing in the water, where they are constantly responding to what's going on around them, right? Which is that something bad happens, their, their state of mind or their belief responds to what happens to them, right? If something bad happens, they're like, well, then their energy levels go down, I can't do this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? However, if that's how your state of mind is, that you're constantly responding and reacting to what's happening around you, especially if you're not in great circumstances, right? If you're actually in poverty or you're really living a mediocre life, then you are like a cork bobbing in the water, right? If the tide goes one way, you'll go this way. If the tide goes the other way, you really have no uh, direction, no self-control uh, over not, not your life, but your thoughts, right? Because that's kind of what we're talking about here is you cannot, you know, there's a saying that you cannot control everything that happens to you, but what you can control is your response to it. And the way you control your response to it is by actually controlling your thoughts. You can choose how to think about something, you know, because people, and just to take this a little big step, you know, a broad step, which is like people say, okay, what is the meaning of my life? Or what is the meaning of life? Like life's meaningless. The only meaning it has is what you give it. And if you don't control the meaning you give it, somebody else will create the meaning for you and you may not like it. Right, So you might as well control the meaning that you have for your life as well as for the circumstances you have on a daily basis. Okay? Decide what meaning they're going to have and stay firm on your decision okay? because that's really where faith comes from because okay? faith is essentially a state of mind and faith can be induced or it can be created. It can be created by, I guess you could call it a, a concept of auto-suggestion. The auto-suggestion is really what, the uh, going back to the, what that book, the Think and Grow Rich book talks about, okay? 
Um, a few episodes ago, we talked about, you know, our mind really consists of two parts, which is the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, right? The conscious mind is where we make all of our logical decisions. We reason. Conscious mind is where we acquire information. You know, we read books. We listen to people. That's where inform- That's how we process information. However, how much of our mind is conscious, right? We talked about that. It's about 10%. But the majority of our mind, 90% of our mind is subconscious, okay? The subconscious mind really operates, it's, it's like a program. It just operates on things it's been programmed to over life, over your life, I mean. And most people actually have never paid attention to the programs they have running in their mind. Just, they've just never paid attention to it. Therefore, they've been programmed, just like anybody else, um, without them knowing. You know, without their real even um, even acknowledging what their programming is. Okay, therefore, how do you program the subconscious mind? Exactly the same way, except now you do it deliberately. Because you can actually convince your subconscious mind to believe what you want it to believe. Okay, and that's the what the principle of auto suggestion is, that you can pass instructions on to the subconscious mind. And you can convince it to believe what you wanted to believe. And then in turn, you will receive from it what you ask for. Okay. It will act on your belief by passing back to you in the form of faith. And then followed by definite plans for actually procuring what you want to procure. Okay. Because the concept of repeated instructions to your subconscious mind, right? It's the only known method of developing faith voluntarily because the subconscious mind has no intelligence. Okay? It's not the logical part of the brain. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the largest part of the brain. It's the part of the brain that works at all times and controls 90% of what happens in your life. But it's not, it doesn't have intelligence. Right? The intelligence exists in the conscious part. That's where we make logical decisions from. Okay? This is, a, this is a, the part of the brain that has a huge impact on our lives, but it operates from programming, okay? That's, you know, going back to that example about um, our New Year resolutions, why is it that we're so firm on the New Year resolutions on 1st of January, and then our resolve is almost, has evaporated by, you know, the end of February? The reason still exists, the logical reason for working out still exists, you wanna lose weight, you wanna get healthy, healthy. Logically, you don't disagree with it, right? but your actions are completely different. It's simply that your conscious mind can only stay conscious for so long, and eventually it hands over every, uh, the hands over functioning to the subconscious mind, and then if your subconscious mind is programmed that, you know, working out is okay, but it's really painful, it's a pain in the butt, I really don't need it, it's not really something that is very, very important to me, right? That's the subconscious program. Then slowly, you know, in a few weeks, you go right back to it. And so even though you have all the intentions, all the logical thinking, and all the agreement in your mind that you should work out, you just go back to not working out. Why? Because the subconscious programming takes over and it's never been changed. Okay? Because the subconscious mind always translates the thoughts it has into the physical equivalent. And it does it the most efficient way possible. Okay? So the way to actually create huge changes in your life is not to you know read books about it. It's not to actually... Uh, you know, yeah, it's, you should read books. You should acquire information. However, that information needs to be internalized. 
Okay, so how do you internalize information? You do it to one of two ways. The first thing is what we are talking about is it's repetition. It's, it's simply reminding yourself over and over and over and over and over and over again what you're trying to do. Okay, the second way there's a shortcut to this. It's not easy, but there is a shortcut. Is that any thought that has been emotionalized? Okay, that has been given feeling, and when you mix that with faith, immediately impacts the subconscious mind. Okay, um, just to give you an example, it's like you know if if people there are some people who have like a I don't know a bad incident in the water, they see a shark, then they become afraid to go into the water, even if it's a swimming pool, right? Now they know there's no shark in the swimming pool, but why are they afraid of that? Because there was a huge impact, emotional impact, information got passed up to the subconscious mind and for whatever reason, the programming was that, oh, water is dangerous, right? Same thing with people who have a fear of flying. Somewhere on the other, they saw something or heard something uh, with a large emotional impact and now their subconscious mind has a program that says flying is extremely dangerous. And they have this huge fear of flying, right? Um, how, do you, how do people get past these irrational fears is the same way, right? It's, it's, it's essentially um, the same process we're talking about, the process of auto-suggestion. Slowly, over time, you are repeatedly exposed to situations where you see that flying is safe, right? So you do that over and over and over and over and over again, and all of a sudden, your subconscious mind is programmed well, and then now it has a program that, yeah, flying is not that bad. Now you don't have a problem flying, okay? So this process of reprogramming the subconscious mind isn't something weird or something mysterious. It happens all the time, okay? And people do it either consciously or without their knowledge. And actually, most people think this happens without their knowledge. So that's why when they have a life that they don't want, they don't really understand how they got there. Right. Many people say, this is not the life I ordered. Well, yes, but this is exactly the life that you're operating to get on a constant basis. Okay. Um, so, that, so the point I was making is that emotions or strong emotions are highly impactful for the subconscious mind. So if you can create strong emotions along with the repetition, um, that will actually create reprogramming of your subconscious mind very, very quickly. And it will pass to your subconscious mind the desires that you have. And your subconscious mind, you know, just like acts like a program, will very quickly start, start to translate that program into the physical equivalent in a state of belief. Like I said, the subconscious mind doesn't question. It doesn't have intelligence, right? It simply operates. It simply operates on the programming, okay? Um, the belief or faith is the element that your subconscious mind works on. You know, in some sense, it's like the, the mind of a child. You know, the studies are that children up until the age of like six or seven, they don't really have a conscious mind, right? They don't have the ability to accept or reject information. They simply receive information and they accept it. They say, well, okay, that's the way things are. So if you keep telling a child, you know, you're not that smart, you're not that smart, you're not that smart, where they really have no ability to reject it. They'll say, okay, I am not that smart. Okay? Um, same thing works the other way. If you keep telling a, a kid that, hey, you're great, you're smart, you're great, they operate the same way. They don't have the ability to reject it. They're like, hmm, okay, I must be smart. Okay? And so this is exactly how the subconscious mind operates. It doesn't go away when we, are, uh, when we have grown, when we're adults. 
We simply use, we are the ability or faculty to, uh, to use our conscious mind is far greater than in adults than it is in children. Okay? And so that, and the subconscious mind is really what is controlling 90% of our life. Like I said, it is 90% of our brain. And one can develop faith or belief that we will achieve the things that we're looking to achieve. We will get to what we're looking to get to by repeatedly suggesting to the subconscious mind that that's going to happen or that's possible. Now, your conscious mind is going to challenge you. There's no question. Because okay? it's going to say, you know, if you tell your mind, like, yes, I have the ability to be successful. I will persist until I succeed. Um, you can visualize your success. Visualizing is a great way to actually uh, keep the motivation high. Um, however, the conscious mind will always challenge it. They're like, what do you mean you can succeed? Have you seen your situation? You live in a, you know, a, a hole. Um, you have no money. Your car is a beater. Okay? So despite the protesting of the conscious mind, you still have to continue with the auto-suggestion that I can achieve this. Okay? To a point where your faith in your ability to achieve exceeds the input you get from your circ current circumstances. Does that make sense? Um, so you have to persist in this auto-suggestion until the programming of your subconscious mind essentially over is stronger, I should say, is stronger than the feedback you get from your conscious mind, which essentially is looking at logically at everything around you and saying, Dude, everything you're saying makes no sense. You're saying that you have the ability to gain wealth, to have a great relationship, to create a successful business, where your circumstances are the exact opposite. Right? So at, if once that happens, once the faith or the belief that you have in your ability to create a future that you want, and remember, this faith or this belief is what? It's simply a state of mind. Okay? And we as individuals have the ability to choose our states of mind. Okay? Once this state of mind is stronger than the fears that we have internally that hold us back, then all of a sudden there is no stopping an individual. Okay? Because like I said, going back uh, to what I said, what conquers fear? It is a decision, okay? But it is a decision for what? It is a decision to develop a state of mind of faith, of belief. Because once you do that, then the fears diminish more and more and more as, as time passes. And what happens is you start to see the results of that faith, of that belief, of that state of mind. Because they start to actually happen around you in life, in real life, right? Your thoughts start to transmute themselves into physical reality. Okay, there's words for this, like manifesting things and uh, manifest this belief in, in, your, in your life and things like that. But that's the process of how it happens. Okay? That's how your thoughts become things in your, in your life. And so if you have thoughts around what you really want and you focus on them, um, on your desires, you convert that into faith and belief and you persist through all of the fears and anxieties, then very, very quickly people start to realize that this is actually possible. In fact, it's not only possible, it's not that difficult, okay? So hopefully today was helpful in helping you understand what stops people and how you actually go through breaking through those barriers and achieving the desires that you want so you can live the dream. This is Karan Dillon, your host of the show, Live the Dream. 
you for tuning in to Live the Dream. Please join Karin Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week.